Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to help you prepare for Sunday and beyond. I am Pastor Wright, and each week I have a conversation exploring the Bible readings for this upcoming Sunday. Join us as we discuss how the lessons are applied to our daily life in Christ. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. Today we will be looking at the readings for the 11th Sunday after Pentecost, specifically the gospel lesson that comes to us from St. John chapter 6. If you would like to listen to all the readings, they were dropped on the podcast that was done yesterday. So today we continue with Jesus and I am the bread of life discourse. And today it gets interesting because you have Jesus offering himself, offering the great and wondrous benefit of salvation, life everlasting, specifically to the people he actually knows, his hometown or people that he's familiar with and that he grew up with them. And so Jesus says to them, and this is verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And I really love this. First of all, I get very earthly in this. And the whole idea that if I don't have to cook, if I don't have to do anything to eat and to to be satisfied, I'm going to find the most lazy way to have this fulfilled. And Jesus offers, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger or thirst. That sounds awesome, Vicar. That sounds almost a little too good to be true. And can, can Jesus be too good to be true? Well, I don't know. <laughs> we, we can leave that to the crowds to decide. But um, setting the scene for this one, remember, this is right off the feeding of the 5,000. Right. So they've, they've just seen him feed 5,000 men plus women and children mm-hmm. with virtually nothing. Yeah. And like you're talking about, this this just this is a pretty sweet gig. Yes. We've got a guy who here who's who's ready to give us a free lunch. And uh, as you mentioned, they're kind of getting the sense of who Jesus is. But then it also comes a little bit closer to home because we have people seeing Jesus doing these very bizarre things and also people recognizing isn't this the same Jesus that we know, Joseph's son, the yeah. carpenter? And so there's this weird um, interplay here between what he's doing and then what he's saying and what the people uh, already know about Jesus, and that kind of gets turned on its head. Well, I like that statement, you know, the setting the stage. They just saw this miracle, this huge event, and they want more. And they they wanted to be fed. And again, going back to just the idea that if I never had to cook again and food would just magically appear to me, I would be all over that. And the people see this. They want the free lunch. And they also see Jesus as the one who is going to provide it. And I think this is very telling because Jesus doesn't let them off the hook, especially with the next statement. But I said to you that you have seen me. He's right there. They recognize that this is a miracle. They recognize this is something special. This is unique. And yet, you do not believe. Yeah, and he's really pointing out their unbelief. Like we kind of touched on last week, they're they're just not 
getting the point. Right. Uh, they're kind of seeing what's right in front of them, but they're not really grasping the larger implications. And we kind of wrestled that with that last week of, okay, if we were there, hmm. how would we have reacted? And we got to play with that a little bit. And we see that coming back in our text today because we're just jumping right off the back of last week's gospel lesson as we're in the middle of this bread of life life discourse. And then also in that, another verse that stuck out to me right near the beginning, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven. Yeah, And this is something kind of uh, something I alluded to a minute ago, that this doesn't really fit with what they know about Jesus. Coming down from heaven, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you can imagine the people listening to this, who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> who do you think you are, Jesus, coming down from heaven? And I can't help but think some people in the crowd might think that Jesus is a little full of him, full of himself, uh, a little arrogant, and they're not really sure what to do with him. Well, with that, the, the interesting aspect that he just did this miracle. He walked on water right before this to get to the other side. Now he's addressing these crowds. They recognize that he's something different. How amazing is it that they quickly want to tear him down? They they want to bring him down and not have him be able to say, I came down from heaven. I, I think that's really interesting in a lot of respects in the simple fact that they want what he's offering for the here and now. And and as Jesus says, you see me, you recognize something special is happening, but you don't believe me. And that, that that's actually a really scary statement. And, and I, I hear Jesus saying this very um, straight-faced, deadpan, you see me, but you don't believe. And there's some accusation, and it's not, you're stupid, let me hold your hand and show you, but you guys are missing the fullness of what stands before you. And again, the, the imagery of coming down, of course, this is incarnational. That means that Jesus, being fully God, comes to dwell amongst us as one of us. He becomes the Word made flesh. Uh, you, you see that he's both divine, fully God, and fully man, all at the same time in the one person, not two separate people, not two separate things, but one. And they don't get it. And, and to be fair, we still wrestle with this today. So I, I, I don't uh, throw these people under the bus. But at the same time, Jesus is right there telling them who he is, and they're still missing it. They still don't believe. He makes this claim, and he can tell they don't believe. And so then what does Jesus do? He doubles down on that claim. Yeah. (laughs) He says again, starting in verse 41, he repeats himself, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And this is when, uh, or this is the the part of the crowd repeating what he said. Mm. And he just lets it roll because that's what he said. And they start grumbling, it says. And this is kind of, again, who does who does this guy think he is? And what are we supposed to do with him? And so Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. Yeah. So he's he's pointing out, again, their unbelief. They've seen what he, he just did. They're listening to him with their own ears, and they're still not believing. Um, and I think this statement 
this reaction from the crowd that some of them grumbled. They started to complain, question Jesus. Uh, I, to me, that's a pretty reasonable reaction. <laughs> if I'm in the crowd and I see this going on and then I hear someone say, I am coming down from heaven to you, that's a little bit scandalous. That's a little oh, offensive yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's not every day that somebody comes around and says, I'm from heaven. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. Well, and again, I see Jesus doing this as nice as he can, you know, not puffed chest and do you know who I am? Or, you know, I don't know how to tell you this, but I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> you know, he, he flat out just says, I'm the bread of life. I've come down from heaven. But it's always in the context of service mm -hmm. for you. And that's where it says, I've come to do the Father's will, yes. right? Because if if Jesus was coming to do his own will, things might have looked a little differently. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting this fame, this notoriety, but he's not here to do his own will. I think we talked about this as well last week. He's not here just to feed them and satisfy them. He has a bigger agenda that he's working with. And that kind of sets us straight on why Jesus is here what he's doing, and it starts to make sense of some of these claims that he is making here. So one of the things that I want to pick on a little bit, and for application, especially with what we're dealing with in our life, culture, church, verse 42, they said, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? And, and again, we don't understand God, the, the immensity, the, the bigness, the power, the might, all of who and what he is. And then for Jesus to make the claim, oh, by the way, not only did I do this miraculous thing, it's because I'm God. That's a hard pill to swallow, and I get that. We still wrestle with the fullness of Jesus, the fullness of God coming to us. But the problem that I, I see, especially in this text, and something that I wrestle with, is we always want to explain Jesus. We want to make sure that we we can categorize him, we can file him, we can easily put him in a picture so that he's easily applicable to whatever situation, so on and so forth. And I think Jesus in this statement, in this event, really shows he's bigger than just one thing. I'm not your bread king. I'm not just the guy that grew up down the street. I'm so much more. And part of that moreness mm -hmm. that is Jesus, what do these claims end up resulting in? This claim that he has come down from heaven. He is the son of God. What does this claim get him? Put to death. Yeah. <laughs> so if you fast forward to the end of the Gospels, right. th that's that's really the charge that they throw I at am. him. Yeah. Um, is that he's claiming to be God, the Son of God. He's blaspheming. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what ends up getting him killed. So these are not things that are just said lightly, right. especially in this time and place. If you're making a claim such as that, you know what's coming. You know what's coming, and. Luckily, I don't want to preview it too much, but you better back it up. Right. No, I, I like that because either either Jesus is crazy or he's the son of God. And, and I appreciate that. And again, not to just categorize or easily package the idea, but Jesus really does back this up often. And 
the other aspect to that, it's for the benefit of the believer. It's not just, hey, let me show you some godness. I'm going to do this or that. I'm here to serve. Let me heal the sick. Let me um, do this so that you will believe. And this is, I, I like your statement earlier, this is offensive because it's scary. We can't control it. We can't fully understand it. So what do we do? We attack. And I think we do this really good within like the first commandment issues. You shall have no other gods. Well, God's too big, so I'm going to explain him and I'm going to pretty much recreate him in my image. This is what Jesus would do. This is what Jesus is really thinking. This is how Jesus would act. We, we try to capture God and characterize God with words that we know, right? as yeah. if those will suffice. Yeah. I always find it interesting that God likes all the things that I like and dislikes all the, the things that I dislike. Yeah, that's a good coincidence. It works out great yeah. for me. But I, I think this is what the people are trying to do, bring Jesus on their level, and not in a bad way. They just don't get it. And I don't think Jesus helps them as he continues. And, and I, I love this, because again, I, I think that he's very straight-faced, deadpan, and he's offering himself, and it's not just, let me talk at you again. But he goes on to say, it is written in the prophets. And I love this about Jesus. I'm not just saying something new. You guys remember Moses? You guys quoted him earlier, especially in the wilderness. That guy and all the other prophets, the Psalms, they're talking about me. And they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. He just dropped the gauntlet there. And, and again, I, I see him, his hands open, inviting, guys, I have so much for you. I've seen God and I'm bringing him because I am God for you. It makes me think of, uh, this might be fresh on the mind because we just had VBS. This was one <laughs> of the stories, but it takes me to the story of Jesus meeting his followers on the road to Emmaus hmm. and how he unfolds oh, scripture. Yeah. And you get this, at least in my head, this image of Jesus walking along with these two guys and just giving them the best Bible study yeah, ever yeah. and just laying out point by point how all of these things point to him mm -hmm. and what those actually meant. And it's kind of this revelation of God's word. And that's kind of what he's he's trying to get at here, that he is the bread of life come down right. from heaven. And while it may go right over their heads in our text, seen in the full picture, we can start to make sense of these. And just to even, to start to grasp all that's involved here yeah. is so awesome. Oh, absolutely, because then he does make the statement, I am the bread of life. And as last week when the these people talked about the manna, Jesus is very upfront. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. <laughs> I think uh, Matthew 4, man shall not live on bread yeah, alone. Exactly. It, it yeah. kind of yeah. rings true here because Jesus is saying, well, God can provide, and yep. He does. Yep, He gives provisions, but at the end of the day, end of the day, we we have a common foe, and that's death, <laughs> yeah. and that is something that uh, no bread can overcome. Well, before we we're recording, when we were talking about this, I liked your statement. 
unless Jesus comes back, we're all going to die. And Jesus is making that statement in this. Yeah, God provided bread from heaven to keep you alive for 40 years. You had breakfast today. You had lunch today. Unless I come back, you're going to die. It's kind of a reality check because we begin our text and the preceding gospel lessons with a problem. Right, yeah. There's no food. Yeah. Jesus provides food. And it could be just as as easy for Jesus to say, okay, I'll just solve death. Nobody else has to die. Mm -hmm. And that would be a very earthly, uh, that would be very satisfying for us. Yeah. Okay, I don't have to worry about death anymore. But that's not what he does. He stays in reality and works within the bounds of how things are. There's original sin. We're in a fallen creation until he comes back. And so he's not dismissing death or just making it something people don't have to deal with. That's still a reality, but he's providing an even better solution. See, I like that. So again, this is really hard for us in the flesh to deal with. We love talking about heaven. We love talking about eternity in Christ. We don't like talking about how we get there. And of course, that's death. We, we don't want to deal with it on so many levels. But here, Jesus is really offering a solution. But it's a solution after. It's a, a solution through this. And that's really hard because, again, I, I'm with you. Jesus, just fix it. Just just take care of it. And I love what he does. I did. I died on the cross. But I'm still aging. I'm still going to die unless you come back. And I can hear Jesus. I know. But Jesus, you said you were to take care of this. It's all taken care of. I'm the bread of life. Come and feast. Am I going to die? Yep. (laughs) And all of that is especially neat when you think of this. I mean, this is early in... In, in John's gospel. So yeah. there's a lot that still has to happen before we get to Good Friday and yeah. the cross where Jesus definitively defeats death in the way that only Jesus can. So to think of this now as the reader today, okay, Jesus is saying these words and they're not really connecting with no. his audience at the time. Totally over their head. Totally over their head. But we can see the picture and and get a glimpse of the way God reveals the way that he works. And that's that's the part that's, that's pretty neat, I think. Well, yeah, because then verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Again, that, that, that coming down. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And I, I love this on so many levels and wrestle with this on so many levels. Because I go immediately back to what the people are asking of Jesus. Give us this bread so we don't have to fix dinner again or I won't be hungry again. And Jesus is saying, it's not daily bread. It's so much more. It's life everlasting. It's spiritual food. It's my flesh that is not only hung on the cross, but is, is delivered to you in the Lord's Supper. And so we get all of these things really coming together, culminating in all of that, all of what Jesus offers in himself. And that's that's a pretty bold statement because we have again, Jesus, the Son of God, claiming 
that an offering mm-hmm. life eternal but the conditions are not exactly what you would expect right it's not the earthly bread that he he could provide if he wanted but it's something so much it's himself yes those who eat of the bread from heaven will live forever so looking to jesus having jesus the 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 word of god made flesh Trusting in that will reap rewards, not just here and now in this life, but eternally. Because mm-hmm. when the when we are resurrected, when Jesus returns, that's what we have to look forward to yeah. forever. <laughs> well, I always like oh, when Jesus says forever. Or no, is it St. Paul, forevermore? Uh, we throw this out a lot in our liturgy. Forevermore. It's forever and more. <laughs> and, and that's what exactly what he's offering And I don't fault the people for not getting it. I still don't get it in the sense that uh, it's the now and not yet. Do I have eternal life right here, right now? Yes. Yes, I do. Am I going to die? Unless Jesus comes back. Yes. So how can we say this? You know, Jesus standing at the grave of Lazarus, even though he dies, he shall live. You know, Martha and Mary are like, yeah, in the resurrection, but what are you doing now? And we struggle with that because, again, earthly life, earthly things, earthly uh, issues, you know, hunger, thirst. And then Jesus shows up, I am the bread of life later. <laughs> I can hear somebody in the crowd saying, so what have you done for me lately? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And the, the realization of I have truly fed you the spiritual food that gives life eternity right now and forever. And to grasp that and to wrestle with that. And that's the sanctified life, and that's the life of faith that we continue to wrestle with and struggle with as we feast on his body, as we feast on him spiritually, as he envelops us as the body of Christ, as he comes and sends his Holy Spirit to open our eyes and ears to hear and to see the body of Christ, the flesh, which we consume in faith and in the Lord's Supper that we consume with our mouths so that we have all his promises. Thank you for listening to Get Right for Sunday. I know that your time is valuable, and of all the things that you could have watched or listened to, you have chosen to deepen your biblical understanding with Get Right for Sunday. Would you take a moment to give a five-star rating of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform? This actually helps others to be able to find Get Right for Sunday. Again, thank you for your time, your prayers, and support.